0: Welcome to episode two of Riding the Long Way Home. After a huge gap, what can I say? Life gets in the way of personal projects. Anyway, I've decided the podcast shouldn't just be about my journeys, but should take in the journeys of others. So this episode is devoted to talking at length to three clubmates from Warwick Lantern Rouge, Cycling Club, my club. Each of them has a very different journey to talk about, beginning with the biologist who became a baker. So let's just start by, um, just tell me about the bakery because we're, we're here sitting in your bakery but we closed at three o'clock already on a Friday afternoon, why, yeah. why are we closed so early? Yeah, so we, uh, we've had a, a really busy week, uh, today has been
1: exceptionally busy and so we sold out by 12.30, So it's always, always good, uh, not to have anything left. Um, so the bakery has been here for just over two years now, um, we opened in uh, April 2017 um, and prior to that we were a wholesale bakery in Birmingham. um
0: and why you call 13
1: so um so it started as, a baker's dozen
0: thing then
1: so so that's what i tell people now because it's much easier to, to say a baker's doesn't uh it started because um originally i only made celebration cakes and um, my friend has a tattoo parlour in uh, Birmingham where we were selling the cakes. We had a display in the window. Of a tattoo parlour? Of a tattoo parlour. So half of, the, <laughs> half, half of the front of the shop was, was the, the tattoo parlour. The other half was our cake display. And we did sort of over-the-top tattoo-themed Celebration cakes for weddings and birthdays and things like this, so people came um, in for a, 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 for a, a tattoo, tattoo and, a, and a piece of cake yeah yeah, yeah, and um, well, they, they yeah, yeah, walked away with a wedding cake um, and that was that was when I first started what was I was, was going to do I was going to do all of these sort of celebration cakes, big elaborate cakes that was where i, I um, what I really wanted to get into it allowed me to be much more creative than, than in my my previous role and um, one day, a local shop was struggling with one of their suppliers and asked if I would make them some bread because they, uh, they couldn't get anyone for a couple of weeks. So I'd, I said I'd help them out and started making their bread for for a couple of weeks. Um, at the end of which, they asked if I'd carry on because it was better than what they currently got. Yeah. Uh, they then told someone else, and through word of mouth, within six months, we were so busy making bread that we had to set up a wholesale bakery, um, well, an industrial wholesale bakery. It, well,
0: you have people queuing out the shop here, right? On, yeah. On yeah, some days yeah. Of the week to get your bread. So,
1: yeah, we, we open up with a queue most mornings now, and then on a Saturday, it's pretty much a queue out the door all day. Um, so that's that's kind of how we, we evolved into into the bread side of things, and, and the cakes just but, kind so of went but, by the way. Before that,
0: though, you were, you were kind of like, as, as far as I know, you kind of like gifted amateur is that is that is that a way to put it because yeah. I'm told that, that you were in MasterChef
1: Yes, yeah, so um, so in 2010 I um, I was lucky enough to to be on MasterChef and it was the first year that they uh, they did the sort of X Factor style auditioning so um, I was one of 20 out of 20,000 people to get through um, it was quite quite a, uh, a quite an intense process because the first few stages were all filmed in front of live audiences. So rather than just you cooking in front of a film crew, you were filming in front of a film crew and about 200 other people all stood there watching you. And uh, on, my, on my first one, I was quite nervous while they were interviewing me and cut straight through my finger. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Had to sort of stand with my one arm yeah. outstretched off camera whilst someone did first aid on me while I pretended to to carry on talking to the camera with my other arm really? still cooking. Okay.
0: Right, so at this stage, bake, baking is or, or cooking as a whole is just just a hobby. What, what was your day job?
1: Uh, so I um, I was working as a materials analyst for. Um, Jaguar Land Rover in Birmingham and Ford in Koceli in Turkey. Um, that basically involved. It's it's a, it's a lot less glamorous than it sounds, which doesn't sound that glamorous. So it's,
0: so, so did you go to go to university to study material mm, science? Or
1: no, there? no. I went to university and studied animal biology and genetics. Wait. Um, so you went from biology and
0: genetics to material science?
1: Well, I went from biology and genetics to fine art. Then from fine arts <laughs> to uh, media and motion image, yeah, and then from that to um, material, material science, material science, but, but
0: material science in Turkey.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were um, at the the Ford plant in in Koceli, and it's sort of its own enclosed city. You you fly in to the Ford compound and you fly out from the Ford compound. This is in, in eastern
0: Turkey, is it? Yeah, yeah. And so, well away from Istanbul and yeah, the and you're, kind you're of away, westernized part. Of you're away
1: from everything. Yeah. Um, the whole thing's kind of surrounded by a shanty town that is made up for the workers, and they all sort of. Everyone who. All of the uh, sort of day to day staff all live in this sort of encampment outside, whereas everyone else, like myself, stayed in air-conditioned buildings on the inside of the compound right. and it was it was quite a stark difference between the two um, and that, that was one of the main reasons for me coming back so you gave that up to come back to JLR yeah so I came back and I was working at JLR um, at Spitfire um, doing the same job and it, it, it's basically making sure that the components uh, for cars are suitable that the tensile strength of, of, of nuts and bolts are going to hold the car together and it's not going to
0: in your, but in, your in, spare, in your spare time, decided that you wanted to get into cooking. Have you always been into cooking? Yeah,
1: so I've, I've always I've always been into food. Mum and Dad used to have um, a little cafe bistro when I was a kid, so I kind of grew up um, in in a kitchen. So you have to learn how to cook, in the, yeah, in the kitchen. Yeah, doing, yeah, doing bits and bobs. And then when I was sixteen, oh. I uh, I wanted to go to catering college, and. Um, <laughs> I, I, went, I went in for my interview and the, 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 the lecturer doing the interviews for the course basically said if you're coming because you want to be a celebrity chef mm. then you may as well not bother because it's virtually impossible and at the time I was obsessed that I was going to be the next Jamie Oliver so I, okay. I, I decided that that wasn't for me then. And so I um, I went off and did my A-levels and went off to university instead. And gave up on that idea? Gave up on, gave up on thinking that I'd ever work in food, but yeah. carried on cooking so as you, a as So a
0: you go to university and you do biology yep. of, of a sort, and you end up somehow in Turkey doing material science yep. via a circuitous route, and you yep. leave there, go to JLR. Yep, and
1: then, and then um, they wanted me to you do... go on to
0: MasterChef. Did
1: you, did you win MasterChef? No, no, no. So I, uh, I was, How far did you get? I was number 15. Out of twenty of us uh, for the final. Yeah, and you started as, as twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Okay. So yeah, so it was, it was, it was yeah, it's pretty good. Um, but I yeah. uh, did. We, would we have seen you on the TV? At that stage? Yeah, yeah. I was on. I was on three or four episodes. I okay, they are things that I definitely don't watch. <laughs> it's different, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I look about twenty years younger as well. I'm quite baby faced, no beard, right. and so su- you. So super you finished. You finished
0: MasterChef. You were still. But, but you'd given up your Sorry, job So I'd given up my job To do that, So uh, finished it and then, and then Came off MasterChef Chef uh,
1: And um, A friend of mine Was the uh, At the time PA to Jamie Oliver And They basically said How about we get you a job Within the The Jamie restaurant group
0: Yeah So I became After now defunct Jamie the restaurant name, group.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You lasted longer <laughs> than he has uh, yes. <laughs> I I, uh, I came out so that's fine, it wasn't my fault yeah. um, so I became a um, development chef for the Jamie group yeah. um, and I was working on setting up they wanted to have an in-house bakery producing all their own breads and cakes at each restaurant uh, so I was going around setting up these, these, these bakery sections, doing different pieces with people showing them how to set the systems up and um Met my met my wife. Was due to head off to London to uh, to take over. At that point, I was going to take over one of the restaurants. Uh, met my wife and decided to stay in Birmingham. Yeah, and, and that's where you started selling cakes out the yeah, tattoo yeah. parlor. Yeah, within within about within about six weeks of meeting, we'd uh, we'd set up this um, set up this cake bakery, which was hilarious. Like the, the the time framing for it was was not the best. But uh, yeah, and, and yeah, uh, but it
0: takes a lot of guts to back yourself to think. To think, I'll give up a, uh, I think a, I, a career in material science I, to I can make a go of this this baking thing.
1: People people often think that I must have been quite brave, and I th- I think now in hindsight it was more stupidity than bravery. Was, I have uh, the same
0: I have the same same thing. As yeah. as my, oh. um, currently involved in my sixth startup in my career and people say "Well, that's really brave not really because at the time it just feels like this is the only option because there's, there's not another thing and i'm definitely unemployable in a corporate environment yeah well i i
1: didn't want to go back to an office job i thought if i'd have gone back into an office i probably would have uh I would have ended up on the dole.
0: So I we just couldn't have done it. So we fast forward to here. You are in in Warwick with your own yeah. your own bakery, which is um, which is incredibly successful, and and uh, yeah, loads down. of Lantern Rouge members are yeah. <laughs> frequent, frequent frequent visitors here. Yeah, so let's reasons. talk. Let's talk a little bit about about cycling because the whole reason that you joined joined Lantern Rouge originally was to, was to find people to ride a bike with, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, some of my friends, who's one of the regulars, um, convinced me to get a bike basically pushed, pushed me to start riding it was like you, you live too close not to ride a bike to work and um, for my sins decided that because at the time I was working sort of 12 14 hour days that the best option would be to get an e-bike so that I didn't have to ride home bike, yeah yeah oh, okay so that I could, I could have a we should, <laughs> end, we should end the interview here you, you've
0: got very little to do with cycling yeah
1: yeah it's terrible um, and then but within about because I, th- I, th- I assumed that I'd need the assistance on the way home. Yeah. I'd, I'd be too tired. Uh, how far um, away do you live? Three and a half miles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It's good. It's good. <laughs> but um, I... Uh, I found I found that within about two weeks that I was riding the e-bike with the power turned off. Yeah. Um which then had its own problems because the
0: bike itself's twenty eight kilo. Yeah, so it was resistance so it, training.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it was it was so doing me more harm than good it's riding. like riding a Boris bike all the yeah. way
0: to work and then couple it away. Yeah,
1: it was a it was a beast. So you get yourself a road bike? So I got myself a road bike instead, and um everyone had gone on about Lantern Rouge and I'd seen them a few times. And we supply Dough Brew with, with their bread. And I was in there on one Sunday morning. I'd just gone out on my bike on my own for a ride. Oh, yeah. And I'd got to Dough Brew to get some breakfast, just as all of Lanton
0: Rouge came in. Mobbed by 50-plus people yeah. turning up post-ride.
1: And uh, But bizarrely, some of the people there didn't realise that I wasn't with the group. So they just started chatting to me, assuming that I was yeah. just one of, yeah. them, one of the riders from a different ride. And... Um, that everyone, everyone was fab they were such lovely people yeah. that by the end of the conversation they had convinced me to come along the following Sunday uh, I came along for one ride joined up and pretty much became a sponsor feel,
0: yeah, straight yeah, away so. that, that's, that's I think that's a familiar story for lots of people who join the club is, yeah. is one ride convinces them that either this is the thing for them or or not
1: yeah, there,
0: I, there's, there's plenty of other different types of clubs but. I, I know that the club's got the,
1: uh, the sort of two or three come along for two or three rides and see how you feel sort of yeah. thing but uh but everyone I speak to it's like oh I came along for one ride and and that was enough and then I decided that that yeah. was that was enough for me so
0: let, so let, let's finish off then by just talking about what your ideal day on a bike what's the what's the, the best day you've had on a bike
1: yeah so um so so because I came to cycling road bikes quite late it was that sort of uh the elation of, of my first ride out on my road bike, yeah. and the the thrill of the the speed almost, yeah. Which, given given any any of the riders that know me, I'm not a particularly fast rider as it no, is. but I, but, I, I, but it's, so that, I it's that freedom, that yeah. sort of more. You're there's something about riding road bikes that is is quite freeing. Um, so I,
0: I equate it to, as an adult, being able to, to get in touch with that kind of childhood sense of the yeah. joy of riding a bike, you know, kind of summer holiday, bit of freedom and independence perhaps the first time in your life. You're probably not riding any more than two, three miles away from yeah. home, but it feels like a whole new world is open to you.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the, the one that, that sticks in my mind was just after I got my, uh, my road bike and just riding down from the, the, the crematorium down into Barford where I live and the the road's quite gently undulating but on the downhills just that that, that feeling of speed and, and yeah. it was a summer's day the wind was on your face and, oh. and and you do you feel like a little kid with your your feet stuck out in the air and yeah you give yourself a little woohoo so,
0: yeah it's like, yeah there's a nice little <laughs> moment so, so my last question for you then if you could ride your bike anywhere in the world this weekend if I could stick you on a plane, Ooh. or maybe not on a plane, maybe it's just home. That's but if, if you could ride your bike anywhere, where where do you think oh, I would love to ride there?
1: Um, I'd, I'd... Oh, it's, it's a very difficult one. I'm um, I'm lucky enough that I'm going to uh, Australia in November for a few weeks, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and ride from Melbourne to Sydney. So that's going to
0: be uh, well, a... Well, having ridden in Sydney, I can tell you that all of that ride will be brilliant right up until you, part, you get into the city. Get into the city, yeah. Because it's horrible. It's yeah. the worst place I've ever ridden a bike in the world. I might,
1: I might, I might stop, before <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop before then. Stop yeah, before then. Stop before, get on a car train. Drive, it's
0: the only place in the world where car drivers are deliberately tried to run me off the road. Consistently well, right, every time okay. I went out the bike. I'll definitely I'll definitely stop. Really, before. really hate it But what you will like is that there's a city full of people who are obsessed with coffee.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well that's that and coffee so shops.
0: When I was there before, that's the main reason why I wanted to open a coffee shop
1: yeah. is because of the coffee shops oh, ah yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think if I could um uh, if I could ride anywhere this weekend it'd be it'd be there. I'm very much looking forward to a nice pool along and yeah going through all the coastal towns that I didn't really get to visit when I was younger when I went travelling. Yeah. And um I didn't get to go to Melbourne at all when I was there. Yeah. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, I think I think that'd be my, my ideal ride for the weekend. Perfect. Okay,
0: Neil, thanks for your time. It's great Thank to talk you. to you. See you on the road soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay. So, so my next guest is going to be Rob Tottle. So Rob it's just come back from the World Championships, the Grand Fondo World Championships in Poland. Yep. Second
2: time of representing Great Britain. Yes, it is. And uh, and how did you do there? Uh, so this year was a lot better than last year. I was 103rd in my age group. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot better compared to last year, where I was still trying to get over a big injury from a yeah. crash that I had. Um, so this year was much better, and I felt much more um, achieved. Uh, in terms of what was the outcome as well. Yeah, you were happy with, with what, you, what you got to? Yeah, definitely. Um, from my perspective, there was uh, very much a, that's to describe it, unanswered questions from the previous year. Um, because last year I went there injured and I'd spent seven days racing in the Alps beforehand. So I was not in a good place when I actually turned up.
0: so obviously Rob what interests me is people's journeys so if someone was to meet you now and they just go oh this guy spent his whole life being a dedicated athlete that's how he's ended up riding in the world champs but actually you know many people who are going to listen to this already know that that's not true about you so some three years ago is it you kind of reached a, a a turning point so tell me a little bit
2: about that
0: what was that kind of tipping point in
2: your life like? So um, it was back in March. Uh, well, it was actually, I don't know the first time I got on a bike was March 21st, 2016. Um, when I got on the bike, I was 109 kilos, um, which is around about 17 stone three. And I'm only five foot seven tall. Yeah, I've seen the photos. <laughs> it's, it's not flattering. No, no, no. I would uh, definitely consider myself uh, rotund. Yeah. That's probably the expression. Um, But I know when I look back on there, um, I had a total body dysmorphia in terms of what I looked like and how big I actually was. Um, So... Did you have an actual moment where you kind of thought, I need to change? So... There was... There was a suggestion from work that I do some charity work for improving perception at work. Um, there was an element of, okay, well, there's things that we can do, you know, ride London, um, the London Marathon, uh, serpentine swim, those sorts of things. And I went, well, I'm not running 26 miles because I know from when I've tried running in the past, I can't run very far at the moment because I'm big. Um, but I just thought it was being an ex-rugby player um, oh, so you were you team. were sporty before. Oh, yeah. So when I was younger, I did every sport under the sun. Yeah. I was full on um, everything. So I was uh, county rugby, county athletics, um, first team rugby, hockey, athletics, swimming, um, cross country. I did as well. Tennis, you name it. Um, I actually did PE in sports science at college and university as well. Oh my god! So I'll ask you the question that probably loads
0: of people ask, which is what people used to ask me: What, what happened? How did you go from being so that sporty to the shape that you were
2: in at this kind of decision point? So I think I had a <laughs> life changed, and so. Uh, I think beer came in Yeah. and I know I started drinking a lot more when yeah. I was younger and you always do when you go to university and playing rugby, Athletic Union Club, all part and parcel of that. Um, I think I had some big changes in my life as well that really impacted me. So, um, unfortunately I was 21 and I lost my dad um, and then that really changed my outlook of where I thought I was going to go in my life. Yeah. Um, so I thought I was going to become a, a PE in Maths teacher when I was younger, yeah. and that's the course I was doing at uni, P in Sports Science and Maths, and I thought that's the headed direction, um, but that moment just changed so much for me yeah. and really had quite a big impact. So I ended up going into and running hotels, bars, restaurants. Right.
0: With all that that implies of of eating and drinking and... And silly hours as well.
2: Yeah. So everyone thinks it's... You turn up at 11 o'clock in the morning and you go home at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And you get to relax in the afternoon and stuff. But you're there at around about 7 o'clock at latest 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And... If it's a big place in town, you might not finish until one or two o'clock in the morning once you finish counting all the money, finish off cleaning up everything, all of those sorts of things. So the hours, you end up doing well over 80 hours a week.
0: And the weight doesn't arrive overnight, does it? I mean, for me, I mean, I, I went
2: from 25
0: to 36 years old, basically doing very little, but I managed to gain 25 kilos while I was doing very little And the whole time you think that it's not happening, but it just creeps on and on and on and you don't do anything about it. Yeah. And in my case, as as I'm a bit taller, it was kind of easier to hide.
2: Yeah. I think it was just a gradual step-by-step increase in my weight. Um, I went from being very active and also even when you're in the bar business, you're on the uh, feet all day long. So from that perspective, you're always going, so you're actually burning a lot and... I then went into and was working in offices and, you know, project management, credit management, all that sort of stuff that I I do. And from my perspective, it was, I started eating more, but not doing any more exercise. Yeah. So I then was a bit lazier. Um, I think I, well, I will have been partly due to meeting someone, falling in love, you know, all that business, you get a bit relaxed. Yeah, life. Yeah. Um, and by the time I sort of got into my 30s, I was a senior manager, so the stress levels were really high and I was going back to working from like 7 in the morning till 8 p.m. at night. Um, so I was spending lots and lots of time not really doing anything. And then when I finished, I had no energy to do anything else. Yeah. Um, but
0: yeah, So you find yourself in the office. People are saying, what are we going to do for charity? You're offered marathon which you don't feel for but but, but <laughs> for anyway. some reason ride london makes sense to you when was the last time you'd ridden a bike before that point so
2: even though i hadn't really done much riding a bike was still something i enjoy doing every so often okay. so i lived in canada at one point and had some time on the bike out there like riding around uh, vancouver park and things yeah. like that um And then coming back, I had a mountain bike and sort of did the odd ride here and there. And that was really it. So it kind of made sense to you to say, riding a bike challenge, that that I can do. Yeah. And because I'd spent so much time on it as a kid. So I I grew up in Somerset in the hills. Um, So for me, mum and dad always said, well, if it's within about 10 miles, you're riding there, Rob um yeah you're not, we're not you, driving you <laughs> we're not driving you there we're not right. driving you so it's like oh okay so i got to enjoy it did, when you signed up for ride london the first time did you realize it was 100 miles yeah knew yeah, it was 100 miles um thankfully um tom holton actually from the club as well yeah he had done it the previous year and we both worked together at yeah. the time so when i signed up it was good because he was doing it again in 2016 yeah um So I was riding and we set up a training group. Um, So I was riding with him and another guy called Andy. um, And then a few others who were doing Ride London. We were sort of on and off the training, but it really ended up being me, Andy and Tom a lot of the time. Um, But I was considerably slower. Yeah. And Um, so
0: how did you get on, on the day? So this was your first big, big challenge. How
2: did that finish? So... So this would be t- still 2016? So, yeah, it was July, end of July 2016. It was yeah. four months later. I was now 13 and a half stone. Um, I'd ridden... So you'd lost... Almost 10. four stone.
0: So you'd lost so 15 kilos? Probably,
2: yeah, if that's the right calculation. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, I'd done... From I, from sport and diet? No, nope, hadn't touched my diet. I still ate whatever I wanted to eat. Wow. So just the sport? Okay. Just riding my bike. Yeah. Um, by the time we got to Ride London, I'd already done 1,200 miles on the bike in four months. Um, and I'd already done a 100-mile ride as well in a Sportive as well. Yeah. Um, so when I got there, I thought, oh my God, this is going to take forever. Because I'd done, oh, what was it used to be called? Um, uh, it used to be called the Stratford... Um, reliability ride, that kind of. Uh, thing. No, it was the one that sets out from the Warwick race course Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the one that a, goes out. There's a Shakespeare Saint one.
0: There's a Shakespeare 100 and a Stratford 100. Yeah. yeah. So a, a local
2: ride, anyway. Yeah. So it's a local sportive, and it's the one that goes up St. Hill. Yeah. Um, so I did that one, and that one was just an absolutely horrible day. I just it took me over six hours to do the hundred miles. I was absolutely in agony every time I turned the corner. I hit headwind. I felt. I yeah. was screaming at the wind at one point I Were you on your own were
0: the others ridden off or were
2: they riding really, um, with you Yeah so we'd all sort of split up and yeah. stuff just because we had different speeds and everything they were still so much faster than me so I was like oh I'm going to hate Ride London turned up and it was a lovely day um, I think I had like a 7am start time I got really lucky because every crash that happened I either turned up not long after it had happened and there was someone there helping them so we got to go through mm. or it was happening behind us yeah. and that was a day where it was such a bad amount of crashes that the, um, the Ride London actually got in way, in the way of the pro race. Right. So they had to actually get everyone off the road and let the pro race through. And yeah. They even paused the pro race on, on that day as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we got round, finished off, got off the bike, checked my numbers, Five hours, nine, uh, eight minutes. And wow. I was like, huh? What? I've j- huh? I was like 19.7 like miles an hour or something like that. And I was like, how have I just managed to do 100 miles in just over five hours, whereas yeah. last week I did it in six hours, 15 or 20 or something. Yeah, I was like, what? Okay. That's awesome. So that uh, set down, that set down a, a marker for you? Yeah. The thing I would say at this point is I'd fallen in love with being on the bike so much that before I'd even done a 100-mile ride, I'd signed up to ride London to Milan.
0: So you've finished gloriously your first Ride 100. Then you signed up to ride London to Milan. That's an or, an organizer, right? So you know, I did the, I did that the opposite way round. So I, thought, I can appreciate that's <laughs> quite. So um, uh, that was for
2: 2017. Yeah. No, that was still in 2016. Yes, we hadn't left 2016.
0: Oh my god, you really so you really <laughs> got the bit between your teeth.
2: Yes, very. So, much so. <laughs> you get on the on the ride for for London to Milan. How long did that take you? So it was. Uh, so it started. Uh, beginning of September, it was two weeks, 11 days cycling, um, one day rest in Paris, two days rest in Geneva, finishing in Milan. Um, and how, how long was it in, in so distance? It was 900 miles um, over the 11 days. Yeah. Um, my weight hadn't changed at this point, so I was still thirteen and a half and a half stone. Yeah. Um, we went, uh, the, first, the first few days were fine, a little bit of rain in Britain, but else are you going to have yeah um riding across france was just absolutely lovely um amazing like time in paris and stuff so i love the city so that was really great going back there again yeah um and then we started going uphill um and we went over the Jura mountains yeah um so that was my first time going up a mountain yeah um and Man, it was that hard work. Yeah, um, even though I'd lost so much. Yeah, weight. so
0: this was a supported ride, was it? So you had yes. people carrying your bags and and and
2: you know. So there was a big group of people. Were you, were you towards the back of the group, or were you? I wasn't at the back of the group. Um, some days I was at the front, some days on the middle. Yeah, it all depended on the mixture of the group. So it was with a company called Ride Twenty Five. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, um, and they're trying to do a, a around, 20, around the world thing, aren't um, Yeah stages between london and sydney yeah to try and get all the way across the world um so i was doing the first three stages it's
0: john redford isn't it uh, I met, I met the, yeah, yeah, yeah i met something yeah i met the guy yeah. so you do a ride london which which is your kind of first big thing and then straight into riding london to Milan. At, at, at some point in that journey did you did you realize oh actually this is not just about fitness i could be quite good at this
2: Honestly, I'm there, no. So I just was doing it for enjoyment. Yeah. Um, I think the other aspect as well is I'd had another life change back in twenty end of 2014, which meant that um, it was now just me. Yeah. Um, so I was saying yes to a lot of things and trying a lot of new things. Yeah. Um, so for me, this was my first... I think it was probably my first solo holiday that I'd ever done. Yeah. Going somewhere never knew anyone, didn't yeah. know who was going to be there. But everybody liked cycling so you were all drawn together for the same, yeah. same thing. Yeah. I was sharing a room with someone I'd never met. Wow. So I was like, was right, a big okay. step out of your comfort zone. And I was like, right, okay, so what's this guy going to be like? Uh. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was amazing fun. Um, I still, back then, I was, I was still 13 and a half stone. I was still just eating whatever I wanted to eat I didn't really care Um, all of that sort of stuff so it was just about the fun of cycling Um, and I met some people there that are just now amazing friends
0: So let's kind of fast forward so you've done this this monumental trip and then over the next couple of years you spend time
2: saying yes to everything and starting to take it seriously Um, so yes and no I got setbacks in the way as well so two weeks after I got back from Milan I got hit by a car Um, so that put me off the bike for four months before I could get back training again Um, because I had a lower back whiplash they call it Yeah, Um, and it meant that I was struggling to stand up and sit down and had all sorts of (laughs) therapy to deal with that um that's a thing I can understand. <laughs> yes, you do have the odd back issue, the don't odd back you? Issue. Um and then from there 2017 I signed up and did a bunch more events, yeah. started enjoying it, but then middle of twenty seventeen I started to make changes outside of just riding my bike. Yeah. So I started to change my diet yeah. and started to train on a turbo as well. Um so from there, 2017 flew by. Um, unfortunately I also crashed in 2017. Dom. But then yeah. as everyone knows who's in the club, I crash every year. <laughs> Only once a year but I do crash every it's year. It's a proper crash. Uh, that one wasn't too much of a big crash. It was yeah. 2018 that was the big crash. Yeah. Um, and then I started cycling with goals in mind. Yeah. And moving from just doing sporties to Really trying to push myself. Yeah. So beginning of 2018, I um, did New Yorker 312. Yeah. Um, which hurt. Um, and then from that, I realized I was quite strong and fit. And I'd also really started to lose the weight. Mm. So I'd gone from 13 and a half, and now I was hitting 12 stone, 11 and a half, and the weight was starting to really come off. Right. But my speed was also going up, and my power was going up. Yeah. With the combination of all of this. And you
0: become a kind of virtuous circle for you that the more weight you lost and the faster you went, that the more, the harder you pushed yourself and the faster you went and yeah. everything kind of works
2: together. Yeah. And I was training lots. Um, I remember, I think it's the last weekend in January, I did a 200 kilometer solo ride yeah. um, for training for Mallorca 312. Yeah. And then when it came around to doing that and finishing that, I got back. And I was enjoying myself and I can't think it was Kimba I was talking to, or it could have been Tom or someone, and they mentioned about the Tour of Cambridgeshire and what it meant in terms of being able to qualify for GB yeah. and go to the World Championships in the Age Group yeah. um, Grand Fondo series. And I went, oh, well, why not keep rating a go? Yeah. You, you've conquered distance. You can do 200 miles in less than 12 hours, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Done that tick. Yeah, you have know, done the endurance thing. <laughs> yeah, it hurts, but you've done it. Yeah. Um. So, what's next? What can yeah. you do next? What can you challenge yourself for? Yeah. And I remember turning up on the first bash and going ah because I got kicked out of the back in five miles, six miles. Yeah, it lasted longer than I did on my first one. And then had to solo the rest of it. Yeah. The next bash, I think I got, uh, what was it about 15, 20 miles in. Yeah. And then got dropped and then the next bash I was fine yeah. and I was just riding I kept up with the front I, I still haven't completed one yet <laughs> <laughs> you'll get there Paul, yeah. um, but that's the bit that I was just like well hang on so I can keep with these guys Yeah. Kimbo I knew was already racing Yeah, and I was like right okay so I can keep with these people I can race I can keep up right let's get a race licence let's go to Cambridge and give it a go and see what happens so I went I went, well, if I get into the top 50%, brilliant. I don't think I'm going to make the qualification rounds of the 25%, but I'll give it a go. Race there in 2018, qualified. Woohoo! I'm off to the yep. World Championships in Poland. Yeah. Did then realise it's at the end of Hope Route Alps, which did screw up all yeah. sorts of plans. Um, and then I'd had my major crash a month before the Worlds, which yeah. put me in a whole world of And an we night. come back
0: full circle to where you are today. Yeah. And so what, what you've done is take all of that experience and, and marry it with the previous goals, I suppose, of being in you know, sporting
2: and coaching or and what have you and, you, and you've launched a new venture. So tell me a bit about Hillside Coaching. So I've always wanted and always thought I wanted to be in sport doing something I thought when I was younger, you know, maybe I can play rugby for England because I'm small like Neil Back. No, I'm not going to be able to do that. Um, (laughs) So it was always finding something that works for me. Um, And then I was like, well, I really enjoy cycling. Um, My job is my job, but I don't get the satisfaction out of it like I do when I ride my bike or when I talk to people about how I train or the work I've done to get better so I would like to have a job where my love and passion for cycling is actually my day to day life so that I can combine the two and therefore work is not work anymore it's actually life yeah so riding my bike coaching people supporting people helping people get better yeah and and Doing that as a, you know, just a day to day piece of my world will be absolutely amazing and will take me from who I was in 2016 to this person who is now a better, more confident, understands where they want to go and has got a drive to take coaching to people that would really actually benefit from it.
0: So we'll, we are, no doubt we'll come back later in the podcast series and talk to you about how the coaching is going and how it's working out for, for people. So my I'm I'm last question for you then, um, which I'm, I ask everybody. So describe your perfect day on a bike. Oh, now this is where... You can, that can either be a day to come or a day that you've had where you think, that was the day I absolutely
2: loved being on a bike. I think it's, for me... However much I've enjoyed everything I've done so far, I think there's always a section of me that wants to enjoy the future and enjoy the moment I'm in now. So it's great to look back on and say, that was amazing, I love that. Yeah. Or, wow, was that stunning. Yeah. But for me, there's always a chance. There's always a next ride. There's always a chance to experience something new. Yeah there's always a chance to see a different view even if you're on the same road yeah. you could see a very different sunset from one day to the next when you're climbing Edge Hill or St. Brie or the Alps or you know the Pyrenees or the Jura's or something like that there's always something out there that's going to give you a new experience yeah and
0: but if you, if you step out of the door right now and
2: you could be anywhere on a bike where would you want to be? <sighs> So for me, probably the French Alps right now, yeah. because I know what's there and how nice it is, Yeah, but I definitely want to go and explore Norway as well, Okay, because the roads look amazing, the yeah. scenery looks stunning, yeah. and I've had a friend, the guy I roomated in 2016 yeah. um, has actually come back and done and been there for three days as part of Hope Route. Yeah. And he said it was just absolutely amazing and stunning. So that's on your
0: bucket list now?
2: Yeah, it is definitely on the bucket list. Um, But I don't... I've sort of... My life has very much changed now, so I'm very much looking at what is out there and living it now as well as some plans for the future. And I think I've got a lot of different options available. And, yeah, riding a bike, I love... And I'll always do it. And now I hopefully get to coach a lot of people and I can do a lot more writing sure. in a lot more different places as well yeah. that I'd never even think of going to.
0: Brilliant. Thanks. That's the kind of journey that I'm really interested in, is, is the long way home from somewhere you've never been before. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. My final guest on this episode is going to be Richard Poynter, one of the founders of Warwick Lantern Rouge Cycling Club. So yeah. we're five years in
3: now to Lantern Un- Rouge? Unofficially five years. Unofficially, unofficially three years. Officially yeah. three years
0: with, with British Cycling. So tell me about the, the, the how you started the club in the first place, because as far as I know, the story is just you and some mates riding a bike.
3: So I can't take all the credit for, for the club's uh, starting, but... Um... Mainly it was around a friend called Tucker um, who always wanted to ride to his mum's house in the other side of the N- Newcastle called New Hartley. So he wanted to ride there. He came up with the name Team Lantern Rouge and he wanted to ride there over two and a half days for his 40th. Um, we set off from Leamington on a Friday. I think we rode to Derby. Uh, stayed overnight, then rode from Derby to York, then stayed overnight, and then rode from York to his mum's house on the Sunday. Yeah, and then we had a and bank then- holiday on the beers, I think, if I can remember <laughs> all rightly. All come back in a van, did yeah. you? Yeah, and we didn't then- ride back. <laughs> we didn't ride back no, thank God. So, were you, were you cyclists already, all of you? Uh, I have to confess, I I had a road I had a road bike, and I think I started started road biking on the back of. Bradley Wiggins' success in the yeah. 2012 Olympics and Tour de yeah. France. So we had done a bit of riding, and that and a few like Kimbo had started riding as well. Done a bit of mountain biking and he's road biking. So everyone was sort of riding a little bit. And then um
0: but you, st- you were all local Warwick lads then.
3: Yeah, Warwick, Leamington, and Kenilworth. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but you weren't like cyclists. You weren't a cyclist when
3: you were a kid. It wasn't your sport? Are you were you uh, a rugby player. Is that? No, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I was uh, I played football from probably 20 odd till about 26, 27 ran a football team for, for that time um, which was Prompt Computers where I worked and then Moorfield Rangers um, and then that was towards the back end of when I was 20 and then I started to struggle a bit with the Sunday mornings I was so hungover I was, <laughs> to be honest I was never very good football it was right back Either yellow card or into the uh, rosette, to be honest. So, right. And in my my school days, I played rugby till I was about 14 and 15. And then I think I... Yeah. Uh, but understood. cycling is the, only, is the only sport that's really stuck. Well, I, I think I've always had a bike in the garage, to be fair, like a mountain bike. Yeah. Um, or I think I had one of uh, my cousin's monkeys, or everyone knows him as Monkey. I, I, I think I had one of his old rallies. And then I had a Dawes road bike when I was at college, but I didn't really... Didn't really go out and do it as a sport. I just use it as a way of commuting, really. So you you finished the big long trip. How long was that? That's that
0: like two hundred miles. About two hundred and fifty miles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, two hundred and fifty. That's not bad for first, first big ride, and you know, for a group of people, who don't really ride bikes. So you finished the big trip. Yeah. You come back, and have you all got the bug and decide that you're going to carry
3: on, or does it just? I think it was just a natural die? natural progression. Really, people. We started riding together on on a sunday did a few few rides over the weekend and then um a few of the people that came to support the ride um started road road biking as well um and it really all went from there we met at leamington train station some mornings went from my house then when it got a few more people went from the center of warwick and it sort of snowballed from there really
0: So I think I joined two and a half years ago, and I think I was member number fifty or something like that. But now we're at nearly two hundred and fifty. What? How? What's accounted for that sudden explosion in over that two-year period? Because that means we've been adding
3: a member a week or more for two years. So, I just think is that well obviously I had a bit of a joke with Mike in his back garden about it and he said oh where do you want this club to go and I said well we'll just probably curtail about 50 to 100 and then that'll be it but then we (laughs) I think on the back of maybe just providing social rides on a Sunday that with, with with a strict ethos of no drop just come along have a ride and have a coffee afterwards I think it's sort of word of mouth and it's just snowballed from there really um i think a lot of clubs in the area didn't offer what we offered um um we 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 sort of always were focused on that we it would be for all levels so we've got the red ride we've got the blue ride we've got the green ride so we, it was always a priority to cater for everyone and that's always been the core values really so i think that's
0: i think that's where it with. Yeah, cause I, I think that's what encouraged me to join, and, and probably lots of people when I see, when I when you go out with them, new members, when you meet them, it, it, you know, there's a mix of people who've never ridden with a club before or people who've tried somewhere else and just hasn't worked out for them. They've <clears throat> they wanted something that a bit more, as you say, a bit more inclusive. Mm-hmm. So we went then from kind of whatever, it was 50 odd members when I, when I joined that within that year, registered with British Cycling to became a full club. So we're now. Five years in since your first ride, what do you think you're most proud of in that five years? What what are the things that really stand out in your mind as big Ooh. achievements?
3: Um, big achievements. I think um, we've stuck to our our values, um, offering rides for everyone. So right through from from people that have just started cycling, right through to sort of. Um, people that want to go a bit faster on a Sunday. Um, obviously, we've had um, the midweek rides have evolved um, based on the same ethos. The Thursday night ride, a social ride, uh, Tuesday night ride to be a training ride um, to try and cater for all, all sort of all bases really, but mainly. Um, obviously, we've had the club tour as well, which the first year was a great success. Yeah, did you um, imagine you'd be sitting around
0: organising a tour for
3: fifty people on bikes? <laughs> uh, I think we went the year before, so it was it was fairly organised. And I, I'm a project manager by trade, so I, I've always organised stuff in my spare time and organised stuff at work. So it's just a natural thing that comes to me really. So yeah, um, I've organised golf charity events and different stuff. So it, it's not really it's not something that I'm daunted by. Yeah. So um, club tour what, what about
0: and and of course the these town center races this year.
3: Yes. Um very proud of that. A lot of effort went in from a lot of different people. Um it did seem like two steps forward and five steps back at times. Um but really proud of what we achieved on that and had so much good feedback. It's something that we'll look to to do again next year if we can um, if we can overcome the crossing point issues, which I you know is a big issue, but um, I think the feedback was tremendous. And it was I was really proud of what everyone achieved on that on, for that event. Another thing that really sticks out is um, obviously we got into the Cycling Weekly magazine um, as the chosen club um, for the issue. Um, a really sort of uh, quite a nervous. Uh, a couple of hours, but um, the feedback was great from the chap that came along to do the report. Uh, the photographer was happy. And I think well, you're allowed
0: to say what he said. One uh, of the best organised club rides he'd ever been on. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. And I that's think something that's something that you think, can definitely be I proud of. I think we've. I think that's been. Um, there's always been a focus from from us to to have tight, safe group riding, and maybe another thing that attracts us for from attracts other members from other clubs is the way we, how disciplined we are on the road because I think it's important that we don't annoy too many road users and we ride safely on the road so the Cycling Weekly thing was a great article and a great um, piece for the club um, and yeah he's he's the reporter said uh, yeah one of the best yeah. club group rides clubs he's, he's ridden with so yeah it was, I think it was a, a tremendous piece for the club and uh and for a bit of a sort of a, um, I'm not sure what to say really in terms of a bit of a coup. A coup, coup yeah, coup. I've kind of validated the way yeah, the whole yeah, yeah. way the
0: whole club is run. So now I'm going to ask you a couple of final questions. I think I know the answer to one of them, but I want to hear it from you in your own words. Tell me about your worst day on a bike. Uh, most
3: definitely the coast to coast in. Uh... <laughs> Somehow I knew, you uh, the, thought I knew you would say yeah, that. Uh, I think uh, didn't have the ideal preparation. I'm not trying to make any excuses, but I did have a bad knee, so I was a little undercooked going into it. I'm never great at getting up in the morning or eating first thing in the morning. So I think getting up at three o'clock and trying to shovel porridge down my breakfast didn't do very well. I didn't do very well with, coupled with quite a bit of nerves, um, made it a very tough day in the saddle. I think. Yeah. So you got there. I got there in the end, yeah. And you in the end. Uh, I was, went through a very mental battle between forty and sixty-five miles, um, and then I think with the heat as well and not eating as much as I should have been, it was a very tough day. But got there in the end. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm going to do it again, but I'm, I'm really pleased that I finished. And, yeah, a lot of people helped me through, so I've got a lot of people to thank for that.
0: And um, describe for me a, a perfect day on a bike for you.
3: So I'm not one for hills, so... <laughs> not anymore. How do you feel? So basically, um, something flattish. Yeah. Will <laughs> come as no surprise to people. Um, fairly fast ride people who I like to ride with and then having a coffee at the end I suppose it's it's all about the social for me obviously the, the the fitness is a byproduct um and yeah it I just love getting out on a Sunday morning going out for a going out for a ride and then going for a coffee with friends really so for me that's what it what it's all about really so um it's great to see that so many other i think as well looking around and what we've created over the over the last five years has been something that everyone who's been involved with the club should be tremendously proud of to be honest because it's I certainly wouldn't have thought that we were would be where we are now. Um two hundred nearly two hundred and fifty members, it's it's quite a um a success story in my eyes.
0: And that's it for this episode. It won't be so long to wait for the next one because I've already got my guests lined up. So I'll see you soon riding a long way home.